This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly by Retail Insider. I'm Lee Rivett, and I'm joined with the Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, Craig Patterson, to discuss this week's most read articles on retail-insider.com. So thanks for joining me, Craig. Hello, everyone. And a quick word from our sponsor, Salesforce, who's hosting a free online event on Tuesday, June the 22nd, featuring a fireside chat with Ryan Solis, Global Innovation Evangelist at Salesforce. The discussion will cover the business shift to digital over the course of the pandemic with an eye to the customer-centered engagement. Find the link in our show notes to register. Now, we're currently recording on June the 17th, 2021, we have two articles that were quite popular this week that we wanted to cover during the podcast. The first is Aritzia expanding into menswear with a majority acquisition of Vancouver-based reigning champ. And the second one is a Quebec entrepreneur family is acquiring iconic Want Les Essentiels luxury brand to expand. And both are Montreal-based companies. So Craig, well, which one do you want to go through first? Let's jump into Aritzia. All right. Well, Aritzia, darling of Canadian retail. So it does not surprise me, especially with their different brands, their house brands that they've spun off, that they're soaring into more of the menswear because they've been quite successful in the womenswear and even dabbled into that puffer jacket back in 2019. So let's start there. What did you think of that puffer back in 2019, Craig? Oh, well, the puffer jacket that uh, Aritzia introduced in, I think it was the winter of 2019, uh, it sold out really fast. I know, which surprises me because when I look at a lot of Aritzia's clothing, it's really nice looking stuff and it's potentially unique and it's eye-catching, but... This puffer for men, when I looked at it, it was not a crappy jacket, but it was very nondescript. So I was surprised. Probably the female shoppers at Aritzia, for the most part, buying it for men in their life, yeah. you know, men's sons, husbands, whatever. I guess. And, uh, you know, I think this probably sent a message. But I interviewed Brian Hill for another publication. Uh, it was maybe about three years ago. And he told me even then that there was a possibility that Aritzia could look at moving into menswear. So I think that this has been a thought that's been there for a long time. I remember... When I was in Edmonton working at the University of Alberta, I um, I think I was going to have lunch with with Brian Hill. Funny enough, we were working with him at the University of Alberta School of Retailing. And uh, I said, you know, do you have any questions to a friend of mine in Edmonton? And he said, yeah, ask him when they're going to open a men's store. Ah. So I think that there's probably been people asking about menswear for quite a while because Aritzia is a highly respected retailer with a lot of locations and it's got a lot of hype for women. So I guess... Yeah, You know, some of the guys want in on that and uh, it can sort of happen now. I mean, the reigning champ partnership, they're going to keep it separate, they say, uh, but it remains to be seen. I don't know. I mean, some of those Aritzia stores are quite large, over 10,000 square feet. They could become department stores with men and men's and women's wares and who knows, kids eventually maybe and maybe home goods and God only knows what else. Yeah, well, and I just looked through all the brands of Aritzia and even just Aritzia, like that's like jackets, coats, sweaters, dresses for like, you know, the latest women's clothing. Babaton is more minimalistic, timeless designs for the modern woman. Wilfred is more around the artistic prints, the vintage inspired details of flowing shapes and stuff. So for me, like looking at more of an RYU like reigning champ, I just wasn't quite sure how that one meshed in and why they went that way, especially since their first attempt was the puffer jacket. I think so, but maybe the TNA brand, I think might be a bit more in the athleisure athletic yeah, line, yeah. but I totally forgot about TNA. You're right. Um, but like, why buy a brand? Because like Aritzia primarily sells their in-house brands, right? Like, they, and they do sell other labels as well, but like they have the mega momentum of Aritzia behind it. So they could just generate their own menswear in-house brand. Why buy when they could have built? I don't know. I mean, they may keep reigning champ really as a separate 
division and, and just build on it. It might just be an acquisition for the company. Uh, I, I think it remains to be seen. So I'm not sure. And, and perhaps there is a possibility that Aritzia would either spin off some of those brands or start new ones into the menswear line, Aritzia Men or something like that. I, I just made up that name. I have no inside information whatsoever, honestly, in that respect. Trademark. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but um, there is that possibility because what Aritzia has done with its in-house brands, uh, TNA, Babaton, Wilfred, uh, took the brands that were in their stores and they spun them off into their spun own stores. Off. So yeah. I, I think anything's possible at this point. Aritzia has shown itself to be a retailer that isn't afraid to expand and expand beyond its own stores. So um, it's not something that you typically see. You know, if, if I was doing this as a strategy, I'd be tempted to keep those brands as boutiques within my large Aritzia mm -hmm. store, which would probably get to be about 15,000 square feet at that point, if not more. <laughs> Because some of those, you know, Wilfred stores alone are over 5,000 square feet, at least yeah. at the CF Toronto Eaton Center. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, again, who knows? I, I think it's mm. going to be an interesting time for Aritzia mm. because I know we talk about retailers that are struggling. And but Aritzia, despite the pandemic, uh, seems to be in a growth phase, which is obviously a positive mm. thing, especially being a Canadian retailer. Well, what I got to say is when I was on Robson Street this past weekend taking photos for our upcoming retail profile of the street, I looked specifically at the reigning champ store and the look, feel or ethos that I get from that store is more in line with OVO or let's say an RYU, respect your universe kind of athleisure feel. Like if you cross those two together, you'd get a reigning champ store. So for me, when I look at, let's say, an Aritzia look and feel or ethos, and then I look at a reigning champ, uh, my brain kind of cramps up and gets confused because those two ethos, the like the identity of reigning champ versus Aritzia, for me, they don't necessarily seem to mix to me. So for me, like that, I was confused when I saw that. Aritzia was getting a majority stake in reigning champ. Like, yes, okay, they're both Vancouver stores and so on, but. Like the, the, the identity was, was like an oil water mixed kind of thing. So I'm interested to see where this goes and how they influence or mature or grow together or apart. I actually don't know, to be honest. I mean, I haven't even gone shopping with a woman in an Aritzia store, which is what I, what I have, what I'd have to do to learn about it because I'm not, you know, obviously a shopper there myself because it's only women's wear Fair. other than the puffer jacket in 2019, which I wasn't interested in, to be honest. It was too big uh, for the silhouette. <laughs> didn't make sense for me. I was big enough already. But uh, <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I, I'm not sure. And in terms of OVO, I mean, o OVO is, uh, I guess it's sort of, it's sort of got an athletic bent to it, athleisure. Uh, mm. um, Freewear. They, they could be similar. I mean, Reigning Champ, I looked at as being a little bit uh, maybe RYU, which yeah. is a Vancouver-based athletic brand, which yep. uh, has had some turmoil and all kinds of things there just financially a lot of retailers had it's, it's no fault of that brand itself i think it's an incredible concept you own some ryu stuff i, I do as well yeah, absolutely yeah yeah uh, one of the synergies that uh, aritzia may have seen with reigning champ is they're both fairly youthful brands and uh, mm -hmm. uh which means that these are brands that may resonate with a younger consumer which is going to be growing up so they're really raising a consumer and build, you know, potentially building some uh, brand loyalty. Mm. That could have been part of the play here as well, because again, you know, brands are looking for something that uh, mm. some of their consumers can grow up with, which becomes an investment. Because with reigning champ, you know, these shoppers may stay with them for a while, uh, graduate into something else. Maybe Aritzia will acquire something else. Who knows? But. Um, I, I think that these youthful brands are certainly looking at that market, and that market isn't going to, you know, either die out or. or you know, retire and, and shop less as say, I don't know, a Reitman store.
Fair enough, fair enough. But other than Aritzia and Reigning Champ, we had one other article that we wanted to cover during the podcast, and that's to do with Quebec entrepreneur Robert Brothers, I think is the name, um, who currently own Quartz Co., is uh, acquiring the Wantley Essentials uh, luxury brand. So I don't know a lot about the Robert Brothers or Quartz Co. So could you give our listeners and me a little bit of a background on both of those, please? Yeah, yeah, it might be Robert because, oh. you know, we're going to put a French accent on it. Uh, oh. Three brothers, they're entrepreneurs. Sorry, I have an English heritage. <laughs> They've got a brand called Quartzco, uh, which is an outerwear brand based in Montreal. We reported on them a few months ago. I lose track of time with the pandemic, mm. <laughs> so I can't tell you what month it was. But uh, I think it was maybe been a bit cold out. And uh, yeah, they've got outerwear and uh, and are expanding into a bit of a lifestyle brand. I guess you would say they're doing some accessories and whatnot, but certainly known for their their coat their outdoor coats. Okay, um, and uh, uh, opened a store in Montreal. They they may do more. I think Aurora Realty Consultants said that they're going to be working with them on an expansion, but I don't know where that's going to go and how big it's going to be. But mm. um, now they've acquired uh, Want Les Essentials de la Vie, uh, which is a oh. Montreal based. Uh, I guess you say lifestyle brand. Yeah. When I was looking at their website, just doing a little bit of research, like they have everything. They have like clothing, shoes, bags, accessories, hats, scarves, socks even. So yeah, they are definitely across the map. Uh, I discovered it funny enough, even though it's Canadian, I discovered it at Bloomingdale's. In the States? In New York City years oh. ago. Uh, I don't know how that happened, hmm. but I thought... It was these briefcases and I thought, these are beautiful. They're just so classic and they've got this... Yeah, they you know, are. Yeah. Black kind of a lo- logo on it. I don't know what you call it with in gold. It said "Want Les Essentials de la Vie," and it caught my attention. And then I found out they were Canadian, and I thought, "Oh, okay, interesting." <laughs> I thought they were from France. I don't know if you yeah. put the French on it. <laughs> well, other than the brief research I did on the Want website, just to see what products and stuff they're offering versus what Quartz Co does, could you give us a little bit of a background on on what Want? Like where they get were, where they came from, all that kind of good stuff. This brand obviously has been around for a little while. The Want brand itself, uh, uh, the Pert brothers who had uh, founded the brand, uh, eventually opened these stores called uh, Want Apothecary, uh, which had the Want brand in it as well as some other brands. And it was kind of these highly curated spaces that had really cool things in them. Um, mm. Eventually, uh, the brothers left the company. Stuff happened. The stores we reported recently have all closed. Um, some of them are going to become James Purse stores. We'll be uh, reporting on that oh. soon. And uh, mm-hmm. but but now uh, you know the Robert brothers from Montreal have acquired the fashion brand itself, not the apothecary stores oh. that were multi-brand. Okay, and and are taking that to new heights. They're saying there's some synergies there. Uh, uh, who knows what they might do? I mean, they may be able to through their quartz production even produce certain items for want. I don't know if there would be collaborations, but mm. uh, they said that they've been looking at this brand for a long time, and uh, mm. now they've mm. acquired it. And it sounds like they're quite uh, dynamic in terms of of what they're doing and entrepreneurial, and and they may take this to new heights. So I'm kind of excited to see what they do with this because again, this is a brand I discovered at Bloomingdale's. I thought it was gorgeous, and you know, I've continued to follow the brand over these years here now, and. Uh, um, I'm curious what this next chapter is going to be. So this is this is kind of exciting. Yeah, me too. Me too. And other than these two articles, I just wanted to mention that you had taken over our Instagram feed since you visited Kim's Convenience in Toronto. What was that like? Yeah, yeah. I promise I won't take over the retail Instagram too much to those <laughs> that follow fine. it because uh, <laughs> they might get bored. No, probably not. I'll only do interesting stuff. Hopefully it's interesting. But I popped by the Kim's Convenience store. If people aren't familiar, it's a TV show about a... Oh, uh, a family it. that's uh, you know running a convenience store in Toronto. I think yeah. they, it does take place in Toronto, mm-hmm. and yeah. 
I just, I popped by and I just thought it was funny. You know, I'm like, oh, you know, my, my sister, it was, she was visiting a couple of years ago and, 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 you know, it was really, really cold that day. She's like, I want to see Kim's Convenience. And I said, number one, it's freezing cold. And number two, it's in a bit of a sketchy neighborhood. Mm. Popped in to get a drink because I was thirsty. And then I'm like, I'm going to take a video of the insides to show people what it looks like. Cause it's not quite like the TV show. And uh, so I did that, but it was funny because I talked to the woman at the till as I was leaving and I said, Hey, uh, so this place was for sale. Is it under new ownership now? But she said that they had put the business on the market just basically to get publicity. And we reported on it that it was for sale. The Retail Insider blog, TO, and a few others did as well. So, I mean, it worked in terms of getting publicity. So I just thought that was kind of funny that, you know, it really kind of wasn't on the market, even though they said it was. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, you know, it's it's all about entertainment, right? Yeah. Well, and thanks for going through the two popular articles for the week. And just a gentle reminder, we do have an email newsletter that you can subscribe to that goes out every weekday morning. And it has a link to the Canadian news from around the web that we've curated from the previous day, as well as links to our recently published articles exclusive to Retail Insider. If you go to our website, retail-insider.com, you can find the subscribe area towards the bottom of our main page, and then you can get that email into your inbox every morning. So thanks everyone for listening. And Craig, thanks for chatting and chat with you next week. Thank you so much everyone for listening. Take care and bye for now.